hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Can it be? Yes, this is Epi 74 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. And I'm your host, Mark Hershon. Our thing is playing clips from comedy podcasts that are both known and not so well known across the internet and around the world. We also feature interviews with podcasters, comedians, podcast comedians, and other folks from the entertainment business. Our special guest this week is my doppelganger in podcast land, if you will, Andrew Johnstone, the host of the Podcast Squared, which was initially known for reviewing podcasts, comedy, and otherwise. He's been spreading his wings and his parameters of late, and we sat down to discuss that and a little bit more at the Podcast Lab at this year's L.A. Podcast Festival for a mutual interview. Here's a sample. Originally, I started with the reviews because nobody was doing that. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a pod mass on AV Club yet. Uh, the, the guys over at, um, oh, what was it called? Uh, Un- Uncensored or something podcast. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, they had just finished it up. They were done. Uh, Rob Walsh had finished Podcast 401. He was done. So there's literally no one talking about podcasts, but I was listening to them. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if there was, instead of having to go and listen to um, you know, an hour of the show and then find out it's garbage, yes. you could just go to this one show that would be consistently at least okay. We'll be hearing more from Andrew and a very noisy podcast lab a little bit later in the show, but we have got some other business to attend to in the meantime. A couple of the clips on this show today are from the L.A. Podfest. I'm getting to as many as I can, but I'm beginning to lose interest in playing them because we're getting so far from the podcast festival. But there's still some good ones out there. And it is largely thanks uh, to our amazing honorary associate producer, Tyson Saner, who is great at grabbing worthwhile moments and even better about sending them into us at Succotash. Tyson is also a musician. You can catch some of his amazing stuff up at SoundCloud.com. Just search for Tyson Saner when you get up there. By the way, you can also catch episodes of Succotash up on SoundCloud now as well. We've got a whole new burst of durst later this show, a classic Henderson's Pants commercial, because Bill Haywatt's out of town and we forgot to have him leave us something in the can, as they say. And who else do we have? I I don't even know. Maybe some surprises. I, I couldn't even tell you. Well, of course I can tell you, but I'm not going to. Can I get obligatory for just a moment? Succotash could use your help. This humble show that helps clue you in to shows you may not have heard of, or perhaps you've heard about, but haven't had a chance to listen to yet, is free for you to download or stream. It's there at iTunes, Facebook, Libsyn, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or whatever other portal you're finding us in. But it is not free to produce. There's equipment, hosting charges, storage charges, and other incidental expenses. Now, it would be great if you could help us to defray those costs, and there is an easy way for you to do it. Three easy ways, actually. Easy way number one. Go to SuccotashShow.com, click on the Donate button, and give whatever you think is reasonable. Easy way number two, use the Amazon portal at SuccotashShow.com by clicking on the banner at the top of the page and do your amazing Amazon shopping as usual by using our portal. Amazon gives us a little taste. 
And easy way number three is to purchase some merch from our Succotashery web store, linked in from SuccotashShow.com, and let us get a few centavos that way. Thanks for your help. Commercial over. And if none of that convinced you to peel off a few bucks and make it rain our way, the very least you can do is go to iTunes to rate and review Succotash and dive into Stitcher to give us a thumbs up. Both are free and both help our visibility immensely. We have a couple of nice mentions from Dean and Phil at the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour this week, one of which is by way of an email from our pal Jeffrey Welchman over at the Inverse Delirium podcast. Spoiler alert, I'll be in an upcoming sketch on Inverse Delirium in the very near future, and now it looks like Dean Haglin will too. Dean. Yes. So begins an email from oh. October 30th. To hell with you, Phil. Exactly. <laughs> Big fan Thank you. of your X-Files work yep. and your frequent appearances on Succotash. Oh, <laughs> thank one you. One would think yep. that if uh, one was a big fan of the frequent appearances on Succotash, that one would listen then to the show from which those appearances are derived. Maybe. Wait, didn't this email come to us? Yeah, it came to us, at, but at not Yahoo a fan Denver. of your work on this show at all. No. No, this is clearly... You phone this show in. <laughs> I often do. No, I'm always here. I hey. write and host The Inverse Delirium. Oh, yeah. A sketch comedy podcast that I produce in Baltimore. <laughs> yes. To which we can only say, we're sorry. No. No, come on. Baltimore we have so many Baltimore... People love us in Baltimore. I know. Our uh, <laughs> friend Paige Branson... Of course. ...is in, in, in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And I think needs pages from you. Yes, they're coming. Uh, <laughs> I write and host the Inverse Delirium, a sketch comedy podcast that I produce in Baltimore. It's a bi-weekly scripted show. Yep. And we've had guests slash comics like Lewis Black, Paula Poundstone, and Wendy Liebman. A few of our sketches have appeared on Succotash. Yeah. I was listening to your L.A. Podfest appearance Look. on Mark's show. Uh-huh. And I like your voice for a part in a sketch I wrote. Look at that. I wonder if you'd be willing to join us. And I answered him, and look what I have here. All I'd uh, ask is, if you like the sketch, you record yourself reading your lines and send me a nice, clean MP3. Oh. Yeah, and I edit it together with other voices, music, and sound effects. Easy peasy. Right. Hope you can join us. You can check out, uh, check us out at inversedelirium.com. Thanks so much, GW, Jeffrey Welchman. Yes. Of Poison Dart Studios in Baltimore, Maryland. I read all that because uh, we like to promote the, uh, the, other, the other podcast. Uh, and I've listened to Inverse Delirium, and it's a lot of fun. Is it? Uh, also, uh, Jeffrey, a warning uh, that gets back to uh, send me a nice, clean MP3. <laughs> Clearly, Jeffrey <laughs> has not been listening to this show again because uh, no, he's, gonna, he's barking up the wrong podcast. I'm going to be putting a big styrofoam head gear around this microphone of myself while I read these lines. <laughs> so, yes, I got a sketch. She was sent it to me. It looks pretty funny. I'll be recording that tonight, and it'll be up on whatever Excellent. Show. Yes. That there's. is good. So listen for that. We'll promote that once that's up. Fun. Dean and Phil also have a lively discussion about spaghetti westerns that's been going on for the last couple of episodes. I think they may have lost their Empire Gas sponsor because, you know, I don't know that there was a, a mention of it in this last episode. I, I sure hope not. I don't know what we would do if Henderson's pants stopped supporting us. Uh, you can find Dean and Phil at chillpackhollywood.com. That's C-H-I-L-L-P-A-K, hollywood.com. They're also on iTunes, Stitcher, The Talk Superstation, and Jackalope Radio sometimes. 
For those of you who might be wondering about uh, the plans I've mentioned before with Phil to establish a new PCAST network, Mr. Lairness and I have both been extremely busy. We have not had a chance to really get kind of into a groove about talking about this, but we will. We will. I'm sure we will. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. Time once again for our Top 10 Most Active Shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. Those podcasts that have moved the most, either up or down, Stitcher On Demand Radio's Top 100 Comedy Podcasts this past week. Now, last week, there were some big triple-digit swings into the list. This week, not so much, with the exception of one show that jumped over 600 places to barely make it into the top 100. We'll start at number 32, where Friday Night Comedy from BBC Radio 4 is up 17 places. At 54, My Brother, My Brother and Me is climbed 23 spots. At 58, The Dana Gould Hour, up 38 places. At 59, Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine is up 19 places. At 64, about last night, down 8 places. At 65, What Say You, also down 8 places. At 71, The Todd Glass Show has managed to climb another 8 spots into the list. At 73, The David Feldman Show is up 20 spaces. At 83, Sex Squad has dropped 9 places. And finally, at 96, Modern Day Philosophers with Danny LaBelle up 634 points. And what about us? What about Succotash, you ask? We are so far down the chart, it's not even funny. 6,057 this week, but we don't care. We're just happy to be able to play clips from other comedy podcasts. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. Because my interview with our special guest, Andrew Johnstone, is only about 25 minutes long, this episode will play a couple of more clips than we've been doing the last few shows. We'll get into the interview, then follow up with the tweet sack and some more podcast clips, finishing up with our burst o' durst. Sound good? We'll kick into gear with a clip from the recent L.A. podcast festival, Jordan Jesse Go, features co-host Jesse Thorne and Jordan Morris. We've clipped these guys before, and with good reason, they are funny and popular, consistently in the top 100 over on Stitcher. In fact, this week, they're at 61 on the chart. And here they are from the PodFest talking about pigs. I, I have one, one more thing that happened to me literally as I was walking in here. Which is, so uh, my uh, regular Jordan Jesse Go listeners will know that I had a pig come to live at my house um, named Atticus. It was my wife's cousin's pig, and a very sweet pig indeed, although its howls were like a dying human, and so it worried the neighbors. Um, but it was, a, it was a nice pig, and uh, my son, who's two years old, got really into this pig whose name was Atticus. So shortly after the pig came to visit, I, you and I went on a trip to Edinburgh to play at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And while we and were there... And to soothe your son to sleep, you had to call him every day and howl into the phone. <laughs> <laughs> he can't sleep unless there are death howls going on. And um, while I was in London, I bought a stuffed pig, you know, an a-, a stuffed animal pig, like a plush pig. I should. Say. I bought a Not taxidermied a pig. I bought a taxidermied hung wild it over, boar. Hung it over the crib. <laughs> 
Um, I, I bought a, a plush pig for my son that we that I brought home to him, and he decided it was named Atticus, like the real pig that had stayed at our house, sure. which was really lovely. And my mom, uh, I also said, what he named the pork chops. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> I sent my mom a picture of uh, Atticus and my son Simon, you know, cuddling, snuggling, just as you do. If any of you have children, you send your parents pictures of your child doing something cute. Um, so this is the email exchange. I, I sent the email with no, no, just the picture, and in the headline it said, or the subject line it said, Atticus and Simon. That'd be funny if you sent the picture and you just sent the caption, you up? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, these are two different, two different texts. So my mom texted me back, OMG, when did Atticus get adopted? Tapir, question mark, all capital letters, OMG. So my mom's excited that she thinks it's a tapir, which is, by the way, a pig-like South American animal. I think uh, people pronounce it, think pronounce taper. Taper? Yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> Look, you should talk, you should bring that up with my mom. She's the one who wrote that. Um, yeah, I, I get that. Okay, so I, I emailed her back. He's just a piggy. I brought him home from London. Right? You know, I, I'm just trying to de-escalate. It's something that sure. I learned as a resident advisor. You know, when you're dealing with a drunk student, you're supposed to de-escalate the situation. My mom's basically a drunk You think she might become suicidal? Emailing. Yeah. Um, she might start hurting herself. She sent me back an email that says, Well, a smart pig he is with a lovely coat. Simon looks like he has accepted him into his life as an equal. Is, wait, did your mom send that or is that horse ebooks? <laughs> or possibly George Orwell? Yeah. Like, what is, what does that mean? They'll be tilling the fields in no time. What? Why would they? Is my mom some kind of inanimate object Marxist? <laughs> she thinks all people and objects should be equal. She thinks toys should control the means of production. <laughs> I was, I have no, I sincerely have no idea what that means even now. <laughs> but, you know, I love my mom, so. Sure. <laughs> OMG, at least she's learned she abbreviations. Did learn, she did learn to write OMG. Do you, uh, yeah. I, Religion oh, is the opiate of the masses, LOL. Go get Jordan Jesse Go from MaximumFun.org, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio On Demand. Lee Wilson in England is at the 4 a.m. Cab Podcast, and he sent us a clip. Haven't heard from them for a while, so it's good to hear it. Uh, 4 a.m. Cab is a sketch show, a nocturnal comedy podcast, as they put it on their site, featuring, quote, scenes from the small hours, unquote. They have an open submission policy for writers, by the way. So if you want to try your hand at writing audio sketches, here's a place to try them out. This sketch, for instance, was written by Matt Fishwick and Kat Furniss. Cat Furnace, and stars Chris Baker as the robber with Dan Warren as the cop. You never take me alive, copper! Don't count on it, Malone. Why don't we all just calm down and have a nice cup of tea? Tea? You think we should have a cup of tea? I don't like tea! What about coffee? Sure, coffee, whatever. Yeah? And one of those new hazelnut latte blends. Sounds pricey. Let me check with the Sarge. I've got two ostriches in here. Between us, we got a full loyalty card. Your Sarge can have the free coffee. 
Sarge isn't convinced. Bill from the SWAT team's all for it, but the Sarge says we don't negotiate with terrorists. I'm not a terrorist, mate. I'm just robbing this bank. What? Okay. Apparently, Bill's allergic to nuts, so he's going to pass on the hazelnut latte. If he goes into shock, that'll be assault on an officer added to your list of charges. How about a pizza then? Sorry, Sarge can't eat cheese. He's lactose intolerant. So what was all that stuff about the latte? Uh, soy milk? I really fancy a pizza now. Look, I'll level with you. We've just had a pizza back at the station. I didn't mention it as I thought we might be awkward that we didn't bring you any. Bill just really fancies a cup of tea. So we're going to go with the first option. I don't like tea. Doesn't matter. You're not coming, are you? What? Why? You'll never take me along with Copper. Remember? Oh, sod this. Oi! Mate! I'm allergic to bullets. Catch the 4AM cab at 4AMCab.com, which is also where you want to go if you're interested in submitting sketch ideas. You can find them as well as iTunes and Stitcher Radio On Demand. Comic Jay Moore in his Moore Stories podcast is the flagship of Jay's fake mustache studios, where they've got about a half a dozen shows in their stable. Our honorary associate producer has clipped a couple. The first is the, well, the Moore Stories, their flagship show, and Jay's uh, show in particular. His guest this show is comedian Jim Norton, who is gaga for metal, and they're talking Sabbath. I just want to write this down so when I don't have to ask you 50 times That's like okay. I did last time we did the podcast. And it's uh, American Degenerate. Yeah, August 23rd. That's my birthday. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Happy birthday. Oh, okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you like this company that you're doing it with. They're great. Epic is phenomenal. They've, they're really weird. Like when you're being a creative person or whatever, they, they don't breathe down your neck. They don't, they're not obsessive. They just, they, they, they vet stuff to make sure you're not going to get sued. Uh, like you can't, you know, they're not idiots, but, uh, they're completely hands off. They, uh, they, they love the fact that I'm promoting it. They promote me. Like they're, they're great. I've been the best people I've ever done business with. And you make, you make money. I make money. Yeah. This one I absolutely own. I outright own it. Um, and they're cool with it going on Netflix and like they're not, they just, they, they want to build their brand up. And uh, they're owned by movie studios, like like Viacom, so they get like all the big movies before anybody else gets them. If I was going to come to you off the record, and I was going to tell you I might want to do a special, what could you talk off the record, Jake? Jake, off the record. I would say, do it with Epics. I can't do Jake, and I can't tie in bet everything you had with Epics. I would say, I'm going to open their holes <laughs> like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make Viacom wish they never had them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great fucking sketch. Just trying yeah. to sandwich shit where it doesn't fit. Yeah, just trying to put in fucking product names with raging bullets. I'll tell you what, Paramount. I'll put you and Viacom in a fucking yeah. ring. Let you beat each other. Fuck each other. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get blood on my studio. Yeah. I'll get blood all over my logo. Yeah, you used to that. Uh, <laughs> drink up, Jake. Yeah. It's back in participation. <laughs> <laughs> on the net of the gross. <laughs> Come on, Jake. No, Vicky. Uh, so yeah, epi- all right, cool, good to know. Yeah, Epics, I like you really a lot. don't. You were fired up about it when I was in your hotel room, doing the the first time you were on the podcast, and you were like, "These guys are great, like they're changing the game." And then the fact that you jump back right back in with them. Yeah, I mean, they're the people I wanted to work with. It's fucking. It's like 
Louis did one with them, and Louis Black has done shit with them, and Kevin uh, uh, Smith before I did it. So I was like, you know, I kind of wanted to when they when they wanted to do the first one. I was like, yeah, of course, because they got a good fucking track record. How are you? How did you square it with yourself, Black Sabbath fan Jimmy Norton, Lil Jimmy Norton? It's the fact that Sabbath uh, stuck at the Bill Ward the way they did. I don't feel like they did. I mean, really? uh, no, I mean, and Ooh. I love Bill. But it was one of those things where the contract shit broke down. And Ozzy said in an interview, and again, Bill might say something differently, that uh, they felt Bill just couldn't play. And I'm not saying, I I, I don't know what the, the whole thing is. Bill's like, I was playing fine. But they said, no, he was just having trouble uh, keeping up with it. And uh, as, as a fan... I, I, I would love Bill to be there because I love Bill and I love the band together. It did pretty good for a replacement. The fucking Brad Wilk and on the, John on, Bonham's bones. He's amazing, that guy. <laughs> uh, the, the album's a fucking masterpiece, dude. It's like a, really? it's, it's a fucking masterpiece. It's one of the greatest things I've ever heard. I'm not being a biased Sabbath fan. Like if I hated it, I wouldn't say I hated it, but I, I love it. I can't believe how much I love this album. Really? Uh, even though they're not touring with Brad, they're touring with Tommy, uh, Klufetos, who's Ozzy's road drummer, and he's a fucking savage. They're, they're great. Uh, hopefully Bill, they want to do something else. I would love to see Bill participate in the next album, just because I love him. Mrs. Florentine was here, and she was, she never mentioned anything about the fucking, uh, not being able to play. That was what Ozzy said Jimmy in Florentine the interview. said, uh, you know, his whole life, they only gave him like 5% of the whole band. Oh, really? They split it like 25, 25, 25, you get five. And then he finally said, I'm not doing it unless you guys, we split this equal, as he would say, unless you split it equally four ways, you know? Well, you know, it's, That's it's, what Jim Florentine would say. And then they come fucking on. told him, they said, yeah, you know, we'll fucking do it for to split it fucking evenly. And then, you know, when it came time to the contract, they're like, here's your fucking 5%. He said, fuck you. I'm not going. They're performing a block from my house. It fucking pains me. I'm like, I do not go. It's like, what's the problem? Fuck it. They get the guy, but you know, it sounds good. You know, Eddie Trunk, it was his birthday the other day. His hands crying. <laughs> I did Florentine's. That's good on the podcast. I do Florentine's hand. Um, so no, I, I don't, uh, I don't know what the money split was, to be very honest but with you. But you. like, you're like friends with Ozzy. Yeah. You're I, friendly with Ozzy. I'm fr- I know Sharon better. You've I've heard of Ozzy. I'm going to dinner with them on Thursday. It's my first time eating with them, which I'm very happy about. Well, I, they're probably silverware. You could take the angst out. <laughs> you said that like, I don't know how these people behave. Well, I'm just, I'm In very this happy. Day and age. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fuck it. It's, it's too- What's wrong with you, Henry? <laughs> The Aussie ones. <laughs> what kind of people are these? They eat with their hands. They're going to get us here bats. The fuck? You've been away a long time. We don't eat bats no more, Jimmy. Maybe you've been away too long. Oh, right, right away. Getting fucking fresh with the bats. I, uh, I'm looking forward to it a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> if you're savvy into the stand-up scene at all, you've got to be familiar with the name Barry Katz. Starting in Boston in the 1980s, he started in as a stand-up as well as a booker for clubs all over the New England area. By the early 90s, he'd hung up his comedy cleats and began managing comedians, landing clients on SNL, Saturday Night Live, record deals, tour dates, the works. The guy's a heavy hitter, having kicked off the careers of comics like Dave Chappelle, Jay Moore, Dane Cook, Tracy Morgan, and Whitney Cummings. He's produced movies, TV shows, giant concerts, and now he's a podcaster. (laughs) <laughs> Go figure. Gee, Barry, leave something for the rest of us. God. On a recent episode of his podcast, Industry Standards, Barry spoke with Robert Morton, the producer of Late Night with David Letterman. So take me just, I know we don't have, I mean, we could be here forever talking about this one segment of history. But just if you can, take me back to the moment when Dave 
and your show realized, holy shit, we've lost the Tonight Show. What the fuck are we going to do here? I, I, I never had that, that feeling. I know Letterman did. I mean, my, my feeling was, we're going to do this show somewhere. If we have to do it at 1230, we could do it at 1230. We can continue. I never felt like there would be no David Letterman's presence on, on, on network television. I mean, I always thought that, that, that he was safe and secure. But I mean, the guy was basically, he was grooming himself for over a decade to take the chair of his idol. You don't find out one day that you've lost your dream and you can never get it back and you still have to go to work every day no. and do shows. How, how did that was the hard part? How did I, he I handle think, that? I think you hit it on the head. I think the hard part was knowing that you didn't get it and we still had to go in night in and night out and do a good job for the network that just fucked you. I mean, that was all, that was the difficult thing. I think, you know, from all reports and, and recollections, I remember Dave being very, you know, stressed for a long time about it, but I don't, I don't think he ever got to the point of, of true desperation. But it was just, you know, there was that moment where you thought, why am I doing such a great show for these fucks who don't recognize what we're doing? And that was hard. That was always very difficult. And so, and as a result, he used to put up, we, we did a whole thing where we'd make fun of Warren Littlefield and give him the, he was the president of the network at the time and, you know, make him the employee of the week. And we would, you know, we were always on their case. <laughs> and the move to CBS, that opening night in that theater, that first show, I know Dave had a reputation of never being a hundred percent happy. Mm-hmm. Or the show, or how things were always felt like, hey, I could have done this better, I could have done that better. But take me after the show, that first show, do you remember like how he was feeling? I think he felt great. I, I, I remember it being emotional. I think it was a very emotional night for everybody involved. Uh, there was a sense of great reward, great relief. Um, and it was, it was very positive because he, he really grew into the role and and i think and 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 i remember a conversation that we had and we were talking about how the new show would be different from the late night show and i said you know the late night show was about failure we celebrated failure on that show if we had a magician on who screwed up it would be the best thing that could ever happen to us that was gold on that show if we had an animal act on and the animal you know, and the monkey started chasing after Letterman. That was the greatest moment ever for us. And, and that's what made that show different from everything else. You know, we never stopped tape. We never retook anything. And I think when we went to the Sullivan Theater and CBS, we realized we have to mature. We have to do a, a bit different of a show. And it became, you know, we're, we're grown up now. You can find both more stories and industry standards up at their home site, fakemustachestudios.com. Both shows also available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio On Demand. And now, this important word from our sponsor. This portion of Succotash is brought to you by Henderson's Turtleneck Slacks. 
If you're a gentleman of proportion who tends to leave nothing to the imagination whenever you squat down, or if you've ever been mistaken for a bike rack just by bending over to tie your shoe, maybe it's time to consider checking out a pair of Henderson's turtleneck slacks. Where most pants end at the waistline, Henderson's turtleneck slacks are just getting started. You get a generous three inches of ribbed cotton fabric that both gives and supports where it counts, the gut and buttocks. What's more, there's no need to worry about whether your belt matches your shoes. With Henderson's turtleneck slacks, you just pull them up and forget them. The ingenious turtleneck waist keeps your pants in place. And even if you have to jump around, we guarantee you'll never show anything so much as an inch of butt crack or sliver of that ample full moon. It's always tucked away safe and sound in your Henderson's turtleneck slacks. Originally designed for plumbers, construction workers, and priests, you can now pick up a pair of Henderson's turtleneck slacks wherever fine pantaloons are sold. And now back to Suckatash. It was a little over a month ago that I was in the podcast lab, the often noisy podcast lab, at the second annual Los Angeles Podcast Festival. One of the folks that it was a pleasure to finally meet in person was Andrew Johnstone of the Podcast Squared Podcast. When Succotash first started almost three years ago, there were some people that, that said I was doing the same thing as uh, Podcast Squared or that I'd get messages saying, hey, this guy is doing your show. In reality, our shows really weren't that much alike then, and they're even more different now. I'm going to start off with a clip from a recent episode of Podcast Squared when Andrew was talking with April Richardson of Go Bayside, which is a podcast devoted to the watching of the old Saved by the Bell TV series. After the clip, we'll move right into the interview, and I will see you on the other side with a few more clips, the tweet sack, and our burst o durst. It was something that we all had in common. Like, everyone at my school know, knew about it, so... You could, you know, you could talk to a football player and about it. He's going to know Say by the Bell. You could talk to like a nerd. They're going to know Say by the Bell. It's like right. kind of spanned yeah. all clicks. So you had to be it was just this thing, like everyone my age knew about. Right. You're just you're in the right you're in the right group uh, age wise. Pretty much. I feel like anyone. I feel like anyone from about 30 to 40. Exactly. Exactly. That was another thing when I was starting it. I was like, you know, at least. I was like, I'm at least going to have a listenership. I can count on like plus or minus five years of my age. Right. They're going to know what it is. But thankfully, I mean, you know, as you heard when you listened to the Jimmy episode too, it's like he, even though he's older than me, you know, he was still doing something at that time that required him to be like around a TV. It's like he's in a hotel room and he knows that like this thing's going to come on four times in a row. So he's at least going to have that to watch. So just the you know, image of Jimmy Pardo sitting like, you know, like sitting in a hotel room, probably one that doesn't even have a chair. Like he's sitting on the edge of a bed. He's like, he doesn't have a show until like nine o'clock that night or something. Right. And just, just watching Saved by the Bell, probably crying, maybe a little bit. That image of that is like my favorite thing. When he was saying how he tried to get to the hotel in time to watch them when they started, I was like, that's my favorite idea ever. <laughs> like you racing to go try to watch Saved by the Bell in your hotel room. Oh Lord. That just, I mean, it, it, it's, did you just completely have you been blown away just by how dedicated other people have been to? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was one of the things 
again, when I started this, I was like, oh, I'm going to so get made fun of or whatever. But, I, you know, what? I was ready to deal with it. But, yeah, the most surprising thing are things like that. Like, Jimmy asked me to be on it. I mean, he was like, you don't understand. I know so much about the show. And I was like, you do? And then that's <laughs> when he told me the stuff about watching it on tour. So there have been definitely, like, like Steve Agee, too. Steve Agee emailed me, like, please let me be on. Like, asking me, please, like, I'm going to say no. I'm like, of course, of course, anyone could be on this that wants to be. And so the amount of people who have actually like contacted me being like, can I be on it has blown me away. And so it has shown me that, yeah, people outside of what I thought was going to be a pretty limited age bracket are people that, you know, again, in some circumstance were doing something in their lives at that time. That meant they were around a TV around that time and somehow, you know, got really into it. And so that's been such a pleasant surprise. And yeah, but I enjoy, I have to say, as much as I enjoyed talking to people who are as obsessed with it and know it as well as I do, I equally enjoy talking to people who have never seen it ever. <laughs> it just now are like, what is that? I mean, that's kind of why I had Howard Kramer as the first guest <clears throat> because I wanted it. I don't, I kind of want to vary the episode. I don't, I didn't want every single episode to be me and someone else geeking out about it. Right. Cause I enjoy, yeah. I mean, I enjoy, you know, once in a while having somebody on there being like, oh my God, like, I can't believe this was a real show and like having absolutely zero knowledge of it beforehand. So whenever you meet someone who's never seen the show, do you have that moment where you're like, I'm so jealous because I'm about to introduce <laughs> you to... I'm so jealous that you get to experience it for the first time. <laughs> Actually, it's sort of only in the way that I can't imagine what it must be like to see it for the first time as an adult and not... Ha I mean, obviously, I know a lot of my my uh fondness for it is nostalgia based i mean right. as much as i love it and i genuinely truly love it i know it's not i'm not like because it's a good show like obviously it's not a good show no no it's it, it's garbage but it's it's delicious yeah. garbage okay, let's do let's that do Hold okay. on. let's see if it works <laughs> why don't you introduce yourself and then i'll introduce myself and the, then <laughs> yes <laughs> this is uh this is mark hershon from uh succotash the comedy podcast podcast and this is Andrew Johnstone from Podcast Where the Podcast Podcast about podcasts. <laughs> this is going to be the most meta interview you've right. ever heard. We're both commentators on podcasts, commentating on each other There's... at... I'm going to tell you the experience you've had at LA Podcast. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you the experience that you, yeah, that you told about me here at the podcast. But yeah, we are live at LA Podcast. The second live. second annual. Right, live in Ish. a very loose sense. Yes, live in that we're li alive at this moment. Right, and it's, it is... <laughs> bumping in the lab right now. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I was in here two hours ago, and I was the only person in here. Yeah, yeah. when I left, I was talking to Chips earlier from uh, Busy Chips, and it was it was you were setting up, and that was it. Yeah. But now there's, like, cameras set up, Mancini's over here filming something, we got uh, some guys over here, I don't know where they're from or who they're talking about. Uh, they've got a lot more equipment than we do. I know, yeah. Mixers Everyone, and... Everyone bought more equipment, brought more than me. You brought more than me. You have two things. I do have two have things. One thing, but probably. one is my phone and one is my iPad. <laughs> I only brought this thing. And this uh, got uh, screened uh, oh, did in TSA. It? Really? Because it kind of looks like a taser. Oh, okay. And it was in my laptop oh, bag. Oh, so they couldn't so they see like, what it was. Can you take that out for me, sir? Yeah, so... 
just a fun fact, but uh, what have you, so what have you done so far? You know, I registered last night. Uh, there was a kind of a bummer of a party, I guess, that uh, they didn't have any food at. Oh, well, I got there early, so the food was, the food was there. We just ate it all. It disappeared. So, but I was out in the, in the bar with Chris Gore from Podcrash and uh, Cole and Vanessa from Pop My Culture Podcast, and we ordered our own food and just ate it there and then uh but it was fine and then um other than that i actually took off early last night so i didn't stay for any of the shows oh you missed out on an amazing dana well i know dana so it's like i know he's amazing and i've known him for 25 years i'm really glad comedic for for his for his comedy i'm glad that he's going through a divorce Well, I'll tell you, I was, um, he came up to uh, the Bay Area uh, just when that was happening and was performing. He was doing a, an hour-long set to get ready for his special at this, this little theater in Mill Valley across the bridge from San Francisco. And it was so fresh. His the, the idea he was it wasn't even final yet. He hadn't they hadn't even told their kids they were splitting up at this point, and it was just this raw visceral. He kept trying to tamp it down when he was on stage, but it kept kind of coming out, and it was just like kind of uncomfortable to watch. Oh, I'm sure that sounds horrible, but it also sounds great. It sounds oh, like you really witnessed a yeah. moment in that man's life that no one is really meant to see. Yes, and I was I was uh, having something to eat with him after the show, and I was going to interview him for for something. He was. It was just so raw. I just said, "Yeah, you know what? I think I'll do this with you another time." Yeah, let it let uh, let it ride. Yeah, <laughs> that would sort itself out. Exactly. So uh, today I've been to the um, how to monetize your podcast. How, now, so here's the thing. Yes. I knew from the first minute I read the word monetize that I didn't want to see the panel. So I want to hear from you. What did they? What was sort of in some in summary? What was sort of the main points they hit on and have they really said anything new? Um, I didn't really get anything new out of it. I mean, you know, they had speaking on the... They, Jeff Ulrich was on the panel, so... I had him on the show like four or five times. Sure, and, but he's, you know, the, he's the co-head of Earwolf Network. Right, How he's is, got and he's an a, army behind him. And he's a marketer. I mean, he's making money in podcasting. But what he's done is very difficult for somebody who's just sitting in their living room in Cleveland to duplicate. Uh, they had the guy from Libsyn there, and Libsyn's made a pile of money off. Off of us. Of course, they're making the money because they're providing hosting. Yes. Yes. Um, but it was all it was all the usual stuff about you know get your listenership up and be consistent. You know, which is the struggle. I mean, that's the thing. That's the answer, everyone. And there's no good answer. It's ultimately the thing is like, you know, why does Night Vale get number one? I don't know. I mean, it's a good show, but there's a thousand other good shows that are number one. It just happens to hit the right moment and it catches the right social media wave or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Or iTunes. The two guys at iTunes that are in charge of podcasts were like, oh, I liked it. And then they, they jump on it. A lot of it's got to be luck and everything else. So there wasn't, I mean, it was all news that I'd heard before. Um, the, you know, there were new podcasters in the audience who had sort of, you know, questions born of naivete. Yeah. 
but you're going to get that. Um, sort of guys that should just listen to our shows and probably will have Yes, heard. exactly. Um, it's interesting because, you know, trying to monetize something like Succotash, I mean, all I do is clip comedy podcasts, so it's not like there's an audience that's coming to me to hear particular content in right. terms of original content. Uh, you know, the largest chunk of my audience are other podcasters, interestingly enough. That's the largest chunk of my audience, other podcasters. Yeah, which is interesting. And not just the people who I'm featuring, they just, they're interested to see what other podcasts are out there. Um, and it is a very supportive community. That's one thing that's really kind of interesting about it, you know. I've been in and around the comedy uh, world for 30 years and stand-up comics although you know you can be competitive in the business there's still this fraternity that exists and that's that's really nice to see um, but uh, you know I hope to find you know sponsorship for this show just by going out and finding some people that just are looking to advertise and, and that's sort of uh, that's what it comes down to it and you can't it's, you can't expect to you know make a living all of a sudden off of your pot like you can't it no. certainly be your when you look at the people who do it who could do it as a job you'll find that commonly they do them daily and or just multiple times a week yes. in the case of Mark Marin, for example or Greg Fitzsimmons Greg Fitzsimmons they have some other money making outlet attached to so my favorite example has always been Jack Spierko and that guy has books he's written on survival he has video series has ebooks and he has special sponsorships with distributors of survival gear so if you're a survival nut yes listen to a show <laughs> makes and I don't perfect mean, sense I don't mean, yeah. I mean, are crazy but whatever if you're really into that if you're a nerd about survival stuff then uh, here he already has a million things for you that you already want and he's basically advertising it inside his podcast so when you yes. look at shows like ours or uh, like you know some of the the more science oriented shows and some of the the more like literary oriented or education shows, or education yeah. they don't really have their models come down to sort of uh, we need to build an audience but we also need that audience to give us money so that we have enough time to produce content that will be good enough to build an audience like it yeah it's all self yeah. catch 22 <laughs> yeah, yeah. where you kind of just have to take a loan out for like uh, six months to a year yeah. so you can just dedicate yourself towards pushing and pushing and pushing because the ways to make the money are through premium content, subscription models, and advertising, yes. but you have to build an audience for any of that to happen. That's right. That's right. And that's, I mean, that's sort of the problem that, that I always run into is like, I'm sure I could have a bigger audience, but where's that time that's coming from? Because yes. I got to work my two jobs exactly. so I can pay the bills. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I got a, you know, a day job that, eats, as I like to say, eats my brain because it's a creative job. And so it's like, well, now I've got to be creative on my own time yeah. and put the show together. But what got you into uh, doing your review show podcast? Back when we did reviews, because we don't do them anymore. Oh, you don't? Uh, I mean, if something new, like when they fail Merged, yeah. We talked about it. Okay. It was, it was like, oh, this is interesting and it's new and it's different. It's worth talking about. We just got really tired. I mean, me and Dave Masella, who's a 
I've been off the past couple months because I've been in the middle of a bunch of moves and things and, and Ben Tippett and all those guys. We uh, started, originally I started with the reviews because nobody was doing that. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a pod mass on AV Club yet. Uh, the, the guys over at, um, uh, what was it called? Uh, yeah, Un Uncensored or something podcast. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, they had just finished it up. They were done. Okay. Uh, Rob Walsh had finished podcast four and one. So there's literally no one talking about podcasts, but I was listening to them, and I was like, wouldn't it be great if there was, instead of having to go and listen to, you know, an hour of the show and then find out it's garbage, yes. you could just go to this one show that would be consistently at least okay. I mean, I don't think it's the greatest show on the internet, but at least a show that's entertaining enough, and you could go, you could either find out through the review, this is a good show, this is a bad show for these reasons, and me actually just trying to justify that in a way that's not crazy subjective you know not, it's not yes. like this sucks because I hate it it was this is good but it's got these problems and then interviewing the host so that if it's not reviewed or if you hear the review and you're still unsure let's get that person on the show and then you can hear what they sound like in fact in the beginning I tried to model the uh, question and answer segment the, the, the interview segment to sound like the show that they were from. Oh, okay. To emulate that's that's an interesting yeah. endeavor. So that, I mean, which is difficult, but it was yeah. sort of like, let me try to sample that voice so that okay. when people hear it, they could actually, and that's just a lot of work. Yeah. And you run into a wall because it's in grad school at the time. Okay. So you just run into a wall of, I don't have time to do that. Yeah. So what has the show evolved into? Uh, it, it is, I mean, it is, I think uh, Chips, from Disney Chips said it earlier, it was like, it is the nuts and bolts behind the scenes of podcasting. What is happening in the podcasting world that no one else is talking about uh, and is one place where you can go to get all of this information. So you could find out about monetizing by hearing snippets on other shows and you can find out about what are the different apps out there by going to different shows and, and who are the people behind all these things. Or you can go to Podcast Squared and it's one place where every week we're covering some aspect of the podcasting world, whether it's an interview with someone. And right now we tend to alternate weeks where it'll be a week where we cover what's in the news because there's only so many news articles yes. cover podcasting. So every other week is a pretty good timeline for that. Uh, and that we'll, we'll get into either me and another podcaster, whoever it is, we'll get into right. uh, what's going on with that, uh, how is this significant to the broader context of what's going on podcasting. So, you know, when Apple announces that they've finally added podcasting to uh, Apple TV, the new 6.0 update, you go, well, why is this in your 6.0 update and not your yeah. 1.0? Like, yeah. That's, wow, what, it, what, it, what does that say about Apple's concern for podcasts? And the answer is they don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, that is exactly how they feel about podcasts. And then, and, uh, on the other weeks, I bring in somebody from the podcasting world and have an interview with them. So okay. I think most recently we had, I think it wasn't Chris, but Chris Mancini was talking about this, yes. talking about LA Podcast. Uh, but we've had on guys like Rob Walsh or like Todd Pringle from who's the VP over at Stitcher. Okay. Uh, or we've had on just as simple as like um, we had yeah. just a fake from Night Vale. Like if it's someone who's a host or creator yeah. who's involved in the business in some way bring them on to talk about what they do what makes it interesting and I think I'm going to return to some more um, simplistic interviews like we're going to have April Richardson coming up soon once we sort out the time and we're also going to start doing a 
regular feature on the history of podcasting. Oh, interesting. Because I'm okay, a historian. I'm a professor of history. Oh, really? That's okay. my day job. Okay. So it's sort of, uh, well, that's interesting. It seems like those two things could come together pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's... it's, it's and, I, you know, this is pretty good. I should actually have this on my show. I feel like some people don't even know what my show is about. I should probably announce it on my show. Uh, but that's sort of the purpose of what we're doing now. Because it just seems like if you want to get reviews, you can find reviews. There's a blog or something that's going to... Right, absolutely. Yeah. Again, on, on, for, on Mass, excuse me, on AV Club, which I used to write for. Oh, okay. It's sort of like a, a big resource where Guardian uh, that UK does their lineup. There's all of these different things. So Yeah, I mean, you know, Succotash, when I, when I came up with the idea for Succotash, originally I was going to have it be like a version of the soup. For yeah. podcasts, where I was just really kind of be sort of more snarky about bad sounding podcasts, but then as I got into the medium, I realized that a I thought the medium was too young to take that kind of abuse. Yeah, it, yeah, it, no, everyone's nerves are incredibly raw in the podcasting world. You, you, you I have given shows positive reviews with, with what I think of as constructive criticism. I remember Mike Duncan's History of Rome podcast, one of the biggest history podcasts out there. When I first reviewed it, I said, "Here's the." great about it, but I feel like, you know, as a historian, you know, I'd like to see A, B, and C, but otherwise, it's pretty good, and people will comment, like, the, the comments I see on that would be like, whoa, wait, it's not perfect, why don't you like it? I was like, why well, said it was good? Wow, yeah. These nerves are very raw, right? Yeah. It'll be that way for a while, because there hasn't, I mean, that's the thing, is it's chicken and egg, there hasn't been anyone to do it, to, to really nail people to the wall, so there hasn't been that callous for them. Yeah. So at the same time, you should do it because maybe we should be forming the palace. But you also don't you don't want to be that guy. But and at the same time, when you as I started listening to these podcasts to try and figure out what angle to take, you just realize that as bad as some podcasts are, these people are doing it. They're sitting down. They're getting whatever equipment they have. And they're recording the thing. They're getting it up online. And I just know from trying to post my podcast originally, my brain is basically on the very edge of technology at this point. I can barely hang with what's going on. Right. And it just took me forever to figure it out. I'm going, why can't I? And so you realize this is really a labor of love for people. And I, I didn't want to burst that bubble either. So Succotash really became, I did want to focus on comedy podcasts just because it's a major niche. And I just wanted to say, hey, here's what's out here. It's like a sampler platter. You know, I don't like all these shows I'm playing for you, but comedy's subjective. Maybe right. there's something here you enjoy. Yeah, and, yeah, and it should be about exploring the medium and seeing what you can find. Uh, and that's what we're trying to do now. And I think uh, it was something that uh, Caleb Bacon and Bald Brian said yesterday at the, at the Man School uh, performance. Uh, Bald Brian was like, just don't, don't be like a negative Nelly. Like, nobody likes that person. It's so emotionally draining. Yeah. Just hear the person who always comes out negative, negative, negative. And in podcasting, it should be about discovering. And there's room for criticism, and there's room for improvement, and there's there, in that exists. But you need to sort of approach it from a let's explore this world, let's share this whole world together. And, yeah. and if we like, it, we don't like it. If we we do like it, then good. I mean, one of the interesting things to me is there's there's been several podcasters that they weren't podcasters uh, until they started 
started listening to my show. And as they heard what other people were doing, it started to give them ideas. And they have, in the intervening two years I've been on, on they've come up with their own podcast now. Yeah, and I've had plenty of, I've had, you know, for every one person who's, who's had a raw nerve, I've had a ton of people who have said, oh, wow, this your review was great, and I totally get all of the criticisms you're saying, and they applied it. Uh, the Fantasy Movie Podcast was like a shiny example for a while where I came in and said, you've got a great idea, just to go over, just two people were like talking about fantasy movies, and they were women, so it's coming from a, a unique perspective, and just, I was like, you've got to edit better, like you've got these these breaths and these downtimes and all this dead air and like all the things, and then six months later, I, I just checked back in on it, and they'd made all the changes, and it was great, the show was great, and we gave an update about it. So, oh, that's great, yeah. So, um, but what are you? So, what are you looking forward to now? We're halfway-ish through LA podcast. What's left uh, that you're looking forward to, other than sitting here and waiting for people to come? To uh, well, I want to catch some podcasts because I didn't do any of that last night, and uh, so there's some this today and this tonight that I want to check out. Um, yeah, I want to make sure I get the time so we don't miss it. Oh, yeah, in fact. Oh, we got time. We got time. Yeah, yeah. So like, a night fails up next, and then there's gonna be pop my culture. Yeah. I can't decide if I want to go pardo or pop my culture. Uh, I'm gonna go to pop my culture just because those are friends of mine. Right. So, oh yeah. And I haven't reason. seen another thing live, so. Yeah. So. Oh, and they also have what's her name from Full House that might. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah. That might win me over. <laughs> um, other than that, just see what it has. What else has to you know come out of the woodwork really um, it's uh, I, I still don't know a lot of podcasters to look at the, the amount of them I've, I've interacted with online is amazing I mean I've done so many Skype now interviews now that you and I have seen each other before that's right but we've tweeted that's right but uh, you know as long as you look somewhat like uh, you know either a Twitter uh, uh, avatar or a Facebook picture you're okay <laughs> what about yourself what are you uh, I uh, you know what Looking at what's left on the schedule, um, I'm, last year's Doug Loves Movies was so amazing. Oh, was that fantastic? Was so the baby was the best. The I mean, there's not going to be a baby. No. <laughs> you, you never have the baby again, but it's going to be it's going to be good. Doug always brings a good show to that. And I kind of I also want to do dining with Doug and Karen tomorrow because they potentially promise to bring breakfast for everyone. So, oh, really? Yeah. That's a and good thing is this is a podcast, so no one will know about this until at least after tomorrow. That's right. So we can sneak in maybe. Um, but yeah, I think, um, geez, it's hard to say. There's all this, I, I want to go to the things that I've never seen before. Yeah. You know? Like that, I that are unfamiliar to me. Like I want to see the Night Vale live. That's going to be on. That's, 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 that's true. And I yeah. want to go to some of the. I definitely want to go to the panels tomorrow more than the panels today. I don't get because like the, the podcast network one. Definitely want to go to that yeah. because I've had all kinds of things to say about that. And, and then um, the pitcher panel or pitcher podcast panel, which was oh yeah, my idea. that's right. Yes, <laughs> that'll be interesting. So it, it'll be it'll be interesting. But before I. I mean, we do have to depart yeah. if we're going to do Nightbell, but before we do that, uh, I know I said we weren't going to bring the negativity, yes. but we got to talk about this podcast lab. About what? About Podcast Lab. Yes. Oh, the Podcast Lab. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great, great idea. idea. <laughs> a great idea. Just give a space for everyone to set up. But the problem is that I 
you have to pick sort of a time, you can time for half hour blocks, uh, and, then, and then you sit here in, in your space, which is ample for our needs, and that's, that's fine. Um, and then you kind of have to hope that somebody comes by. And it's been okay. Like, you, you've been yeah. getting plenty of interviews, right? Like, Just because I'm sitting here by the door. Yeah, I mean, and it's the same thing. Chips was saying, like, yeah, he grabbed Marin last night and he grabbed Pardo and he's been able to get stuff, but he had to run out of the room and go find them yeah. and tell them, like, hey, you've got time to come down here. It seems like last year the way we did it when this when it wasn't a space yeah. set up specifically for that was there were, there was a lounge area which was right next to the ballroom upstairs. Yes, and you could just hang out there. So everyone mingled and hung out. Yeah. So you just were you just organically ran into them. And yeah, there's refreshments. And yeah, Jackie Cation has run in and grabbed a Diet Coke and then got pulled into an interview. Yeah. But it seems like the uh, the impetus to come down here. Well, it's the very last meeting room, so. It's it's completely out of the traffic zone, so why anyway would come in here other than snacks? Uh, and I, you know, if, if I were going to plan out what the podcast lab should look like, they should have these things cubed off a bit, because you just—I mean—we're at a table with four, you know, four chairs, and I'm sure that as as good as these mics may or may not be, it's not isolating what's going on. Yeah, you know what's happening behind us right now. You know, there's people talking all around us. Right. Some guys saying, "I'll see you later." Just got picked up on the. Microphone, yeah. Sure. Uh, so I, I just, uh, you know, this is the first year they've tried it. So next right. year they'll learn from this Absolutely. experience. I think, you know, as far as, I think, again, it's a good idea and I think it's working okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like what we should do is have, uh, if we want to come do our shows, we should be able to, like, apply for a pass to give us a chance to have this space open. You know, like, like when you go to a Comic-Con, for example, there's artists out there. Yes. And these are all guys who can can be ranging from big names to nobodies, but they get a little space. And it's their space. And it's their space. And it's in a room that everyone's in. It's, you know, adjacent to whatever the shops are, and or it's on your way to the panel room. Yeah. But it is a space dedicated to, to having that, that little interaction with small and big artists. And if you want to open this space up, that would be a great idea to just let everyone have their own. Well, that's the way I sort of pictured it in my mind before I got down here was, okay, I'll be able to get down there and stake out a spot and, and, and people would be walking by you you know it would be yeah you know, it would be like in the hallway or something and then that you know switching it back take the registration put it in here yes and let the hallway just be a yeah just table. a line of tables it'd be great because you know i had these banners i made up so you know to increase visibility and stuff right exactly and then yeah and that way you've got your banner set up you've staked your claim out for the day and or hour two yeah hours, and if hour, you go to catch a show you can still leave your buttons out and everything else and people can take stuff and right. find out about your show. Exactly, because you know, there's no press pass for us. No, there's nothing. We're, so we're, we, I don't even, we don't even get a discount in the parking area. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. is like, well, okay. Don't even, I don't even get. I staying in this hotel. I don't get parking because the the garage is under construction. Oh they yeah. They didn't bother to pay us, which is amazing. Anyway, it's another issue altogether. <laughs> but yeah, it feels like you know, if you want to encourage smaller shows, you should give either a discount badge or a dedicated area or a press badge of some kind. Just so that well, they should have a podcaster badge is what they should have because I've, I've met several people that are not podcasters. They're just fans of podcasting. Right, exactly. Fans should, you know, yeah, because we're paying money to come here as fans and and yeah, we're also doing some semi-professional work. So That's right. It just seems That's right. up in the air. Yeah, I mean, last year I, I, I was part of the Kickstarter thing, which is how I got my pass. 
ass. I'm wearing my Kickstarter shirt right now. Yeah. Um, so anyway, well, we've got shows to get to. Oh, but uh, thanks for uh, sitting down for a few for minutes. Coming, and, thanks uh, for coming on my show. <laughs> this is great. You'll be able to listen to Suck It. Absolutely. It'll be a and, simulcast. And, yeah, it'll be a simulcast. Although I'm probably going to edit some of this down because it's 25 minutes. That's true. <laughs> well, I'm going to let the whole thing play. How about Whoa. that? So you, if you're listening to my show, you can get the unedited version. Unless he cuts this out, in which case you won't know that. <laughs> And that's exactly what I'll do. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks to Andrew Johnstone for stopping in and hanging out. We ran into each other a few other times uh, during the course of the podfest and would compare notes as to what was going on and where and who was there. Good guy who you can catch over at his home site, podcastsquared.com. And of course, you can also subscribe to Podcast Squared via iTunes or listen to it streaming through Stitcher. Before we get back to the last few clips for this episode, let's see if we've got anything begging our attention in the old tweet sack. Last week, we played a custom promo for the Angry Old Man podcast, and we just got a nice note from Robert Q. Lichtenstein, the brains behind the operation. He says, Hi, Mark. I'd like to thank you once again for including Angry Old Man podcast on Succotash episode 73. I really appreciate it, and we will give you another mention on our podcast this week. Since we are not the big guys, it's important for us little podcasts to stick together and promote each other. I connected with the Dorktown podcast on Twitter, and they told me that they'd heard our bit on your podcast. Thought you'd like to know. Once again, thanks. Best regards, Robert Q. and the gang. Uh, So that's very nice. Um, Yeah, we liked uh, getting that promo, and uh, hopefully it'll get you some listeners. At Harry Humor New York tweeted, or NY, that is tweeted, at Succotest Show quoted my tweets on episodes 71 and 73. I've gained zero followers. <laughs> Shows named after lima bean-based foods don't seem to have much influence. Well, think how we feel, Harry. But thanks for your kind comments. It all helps to create awareness. I just got this via direct message on Twitter as I was putting this tweet sack segment together, which is weird. Very meta. It's from the Comedy Buffet podcast. Mark, just a quick note to say thanks for all you do. Podcasting is a hard thing sometimes, and you are one of those truly helping. Thank you. Now, you know what? Those are the kind of little signs I like to get every once in a while that this show is out there on the right side of the podcast equation. So thanks a lot, guys. Uh, Broadcast Basement tweeted, Per Stitcher, listeners who like our podcast also like Succotash Show. Well, that's good to know. Broadcast Basement's also starting to leave me in the dust in their podcast fantasy football league. Wish I knew what the hell I was doing with that. I'm still kind of a mystery. Here's just a partial list of the folks on Twitter this week who mentioned, favorited, retweeted, followed, or somehow connected their handle to Succotash Show. David Feldman, Perfect Basics, The D-Head Factor, SD Charlie, the Selling, Lydia Terry, Jennifer Lauren, Michael Rowe, The Three Guys Rant, The Pod Mafia, Edda Devine, Gabe Diani, Chris Lanuti, Davian Dent, Strange Time Show, Podcast Horror, Core Evil 2013, Dara Sabrina 4, Mike Cal Jr., 916, Nightmare 54, uh, Ed Devisky Art, sorry about that, Ed. Uh, Funny Man Lando, Rooster T, Hob the Troll, Jimmy Schubert, Constance Avery, The Rigid Fist, and Rev T23, also known as Tyson Sainer. John and Eric are fully grown adults who reminisce about their awkward teen years on the Hey Teens podcast. 
The show's been around for a little over a year, and they've had some listener in Glasgow give them little paper cutout dolls, sent them in the mail, that look uh, really fun. And damn, who do I have to clip to get some damn paper dolls around here? Anyway, on Hey Teens recently, they talked with guest Whitney Moore, uh, who talks about Birdemic. Okay, so you were into the into comic books and video games. I feel like those kind of go hand in hand with having an appreciation for crazy bad cult movies. Yeah, I was just about to say that yeah, too. So totally. like now, now so that were, so yeah, time did, has passed. Did, but did, did you watch like things like I don't know? I mean, The Room was you know out then, and yeah, you know, so you were Troll into two. like yeah, Troll Two and like all these bad movies and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Actually, Wild Zero was one of my favorite movies. Oh yeah, this is a Jap- the, is a Japanese. Yeah, it's horror, um, uh, zombie movie. Yeah, it's the the band Guitar Wolf's zombie movie. Oh and it's so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, movies like that were really I was really into, and Rocky Horror, of course, right, as a right, right. high school drama kid. <laughs> right. um, but like. I never imagined after doing it, even even while I was doing it, I knew I was making a shitty movie. But I was well, like, "Well, that's the thing. Yeah, the, for every one good movie, there are nine million shitty movies yeah. being made every single day." But I've made shitty movies, but I was like twelve. Oh, I have too. Yeah. But like, oh, I was like twenty-two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeti, a love story is available. Huh? It is on, it's um, on Netflix, guys. <laughs> so is on Netflix. Uh, not instant, but disc. Oh, okay. We're working on getting it on instant. But that's on YouTube, though, right? It is on YouTube yeah. as well. Don't watch it, guys. <laughs> Unless you want to watch it. I yeah. don't know. But, Whatever. but like, so many awful, awful movies are made, but only, like, one one out of, like, nine million get recognized. Don't worry yeah. about the coaster. I dropped coasters. my coaster. Don't worry about the coaster. God <laughs> damn it. Get out. <laughs> Podcast over. Um, yeah, like... It's so rare for a terrible, terrible movie to get recognized to the point where it gets to cult status. Yeah, like even considered one of the best bad movies. I'd say it's a better bad movie than The Room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that. Possibly too. even Troll Two because well, of things like the sound. Yeah, The Room certainly has higher production value. Yes. Yeah, it has way more clenching and, uh, butt cheeks. Yes, <laughs> the sexier lovemaking scenes. It's strange because it's like you were saying the. Everybody has their first shitty project creatively, you know, yeah. no matter what you're into. Mm-hmm. And I certainly never expected my first terrible project to have the kind of exposure it did. And of course, I'm, I'm thankful for it's it. Wild. It's, it's so very I, I don't even know. Well, I mean, part of that has to do with the marketing that James did for it, right? Oh, I mean, it's Severin, definitely. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I mean, the the persistence he yes. had just going to Sundance and being like, look at my movie, look at what I did, isn't yeah. it great? Right. But, well, that's like Tommy Wiseau putting a billboard with yeah. his face on it. But like, just <laughs> no. the fact that he believed in it so right. much and was like, yeah, that's certainly what it had to do with. I, mean. I have another quick question. Do you think that he's ever seen a movie before? <laughs> God, I think, yeah. I think that he's, I think he's, a huge movie fan. Well, he's I mean, seen he... two movies that we know of. The Birds. Birds and An Inconvenient Truth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, I know that he's a huge Hitchcock guy. That's, uh-huh. I mean, according, Hitch- to, yeah. according to him. Um, oh, well, I was going to ask, when you, were, when you were approached to do the sequel, were you just like, fuck, no. Yeah, yes, yes. Really? I... In more words than that. Was, <laughs> uh, Fuck to the no. Yeah, I Fuck was, you. There were, there were a lot more expletives. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I was very adamant about it. But you know what got me was um, Bobby, who I mentioned, my, my mm-hmm. very, very good friend, mm-hmm. volunteered to DP it. And there's the documentary. And this time it was like... 
it was like we there was there was a lot more unity, you know. Uh-huh. It wasn't sure. it wasn't just Alan and I um sort of against James and right. like fighting him all the time. It was it was you know, we were all together and there was a crew this time making sure he didn't get drunk on set. Like, oh, like, wow. Making sure that <laughs> there were no meltdowns and he was he was sort of in line. And so it was a lot more fun, and I could just come back and have fun and sort of do what I want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt like the grizzled war veteran <laughs> coming back. Right. Did the other cast members, other than Alan, know what they were getting into? I don't think so. You don't think so? I think so that you're they like, knew oh, a I remember little bit. I was in your shoes. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think that uh, Tom and Chelsea, uh, the, the new kids, they mm-hmm. knew a little bit that... It was like a crazy cult movie, and right. it was just mm. fun. Like it's got a little steam, so <laughs> it'll be cool to be in it. But they did not know to what extent they were getting themselves into. For more of Hey Teens, check out their home site, Hey Teens Podcast, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Tyson Sainer sent this clip in, and I almost did not include it this episode because I was certain I'd played another clip from the same show from the Tenderloins before. But I'll be damned if I can find out. When I did that, I've looked back. I can't find it. So what the heck? Sal Volcano, Joe Gatto, James Murray, and Brian Quinn, the Tenderloins, are probably better known for their hit uh, true TV show, The Impractical Jokers. Uh, Here, the boys discuss bad dating experiences. I had a date. I mean, it's really a darker ending than yours, but I went on a date with this this girl that I met at a party, and I don't... I've been on, like, maybe in my life five dates. I don't really, yeah, like, don't that's really not matter. part of my thing. Thank you, Stacey. And I was, like, went back, went well, we went back to her place, and she was living with my friend at the time. And we went back to her room. Have I told you this story before? And, like, I was just out of a long-term relationship. Uh, my ex-fiance and I broke up, so I was like, well, this is it. I'm going to dive in and do this. We go back to her room. And, like, we start messing around. I start, she had a great body on it, and she goes... I want you to hit me. <laughs> oh wait, who is this again? This is this. You know, I don't think you've. Oh yeah, you do. You did meet her. You were at the party that I met her at at Janine's Halloween party. She was her roommate. Remember that? That yes. She was really hot. I remember the party. I don't remember the person. Right. Okay. okay. It was her. I have a picture of her. It's her. Right. And she's like, I, I want you to hit me like hard. And I was like, wait. I'm like, what do you mean hit, hit you? Hit yeah. you like like slap you? Like slap your ass? She's like, no, no, no. She's like, I want you to like fucking like. <laughs> Unload all like, like Mike Tyson's punch out. Like Mike Tyson's punch out. She's and I was like, well, I, I mean, I was like, ha 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 ha. So I so like I know, and I kept fooling around, and I was like giving like half hearted like slaps on a thigh. You know what I mean? Like kiss take, take that. <laughs> so you would hear you would hear like. Like, you know, I'm like, right, I know girls sometimes like to get spanked when, you know, but she was like, no, 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 fist. I'm like, I want a fist and I want to get hit. And I was like, Ooh. yeah, and I'm like, hey, whatever, man. Now I'm older. Now a girl tells me to hit her. It's, yeah, like, <laughs> it's not, what was that? It's, uh, hit me. <laughs> right. Like, you know, you get a little more. No, it's, uh. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I'm not here to judge anybody's sex. And I guess she was just ahead of the curve than I was. But it got so lame because, like, as I was fooling around with her, she said it again. She's like, I want you to hit me. She's disappointed. So my response to it, at this point, I was sitting on the edge of the bed, right, with my legs on the floor. And she was straddling me like she was giving me a lap dance. And she told me to hit her again. And my response to it was to grab her ass. (laughs) 
and like lift her over my shoulder. So she went like an acrobat over my shoulder. So you suplex her? <laughs> <laughs> Sunset yeah. And she hurts her neck. She goes, ow! <laughs> and I'm like, what? What? <laughs> Take that! <laughs> you like catapult. On my grandmother's uh, grave. She screamed, ow, said, what the fuck was that? You hurt my neck. I got up without saying a word. And left. Zipped up my pants and walked out yeah. of the room. <laughs> no, I didn't say anything to her. I was like, fuck it. She sends me a text later on. She's like, maybe we could try that again another night. I never answered it. I never talked to her again. Wow. You started watching like WrestleManias. Yeah, I, was, I didn't even know what I was thinking. I was just like, okay, oh, this is fun and sexy. I just flipped her over. It was horrible. <laughs> horrible. You can find more of either Impractical Jokers or the Tenderloins, however you want to refer to them, at thetenderloins.com. They're, of course, also uh, up on iTunes if you want to subscribe that way or listen to them st- streaming on Stitcher Radio On Demand. It's time once again for Raging Moderate and political comedian Wilders to leap into action, this time going after the ham-handed spying of late in the office of the president. Hey, guys. Wilders, you're with a few choice words about spying. Apparently, we're doing it. And not just to ourselves, but, as it turns out, foreigners as well. And just like us, the foreigners are not happy about it. Not because they don't spy on us. Of course they do. Everybody spies on everybody. They're not happy because we do it so much better than they do. USA! USA! We're number one! They're jealous because we're such good spiers. Bugging the Chancellor of Germany, Angela Merkel's cell phone? The Vatican? Are you kidding me? That's genius. We have the best technology and the most money, which gets the best results. At least we're not handing out bugged teddy bears at G20 meetings. But Edward Snowden blew our cover. All our traffic analysis operations are dead, blown, burnt, compromised. Covert has become overt. The black ops got transparent. Whoever was in charge is now looking at experiencing extraordinary rendition up close and personal. Headed straight for the Oppenheim Memorial Park waterboard slide. Unless this is all a ruse. Because in espionage, your major asset is fog and mirrors. This could be more disinformation. Yeah, sure, it's an old Gestapo trick. You sacrifice one of your own to gain the trust of the enemy. All's fair when rooting out the tangos. Maybe Edward Snowden is in deep, deep cover playing some counter-counterintelligence game. Not just a sleeper agent, but a somnambulant agent. Coma boy, triple cross, gonna lull Putin into a false sense of security. What have we lost by exposing a few ancient, obsolete tradecrafts? Only the ability to appear offended when we catch other countries spying on us. Methinks our allies doth protest too much. Best way to determine how serious the blowback is? If they stop accepting our foreign aid. <laughs> yeah, fat chance. For Suckatash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Read more Durst at willdurst.com. You can also find him tweeting at Will Durst on Twitter. As Epi74 of Suckatash winds down, I don't think there's anything left to add other than please be sure to pass the Suckatash. You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. 
Brought to you by Henderson's Pants. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, or on Stitcher Smart Radio. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show, email us at marc at SuccotashShow.com, or call into the Suckatash hotline at our toll call number 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your Loyal booth announcer Bill Haywatt reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye. We're working with some of my favorite ingredients butternut squash, celery and onion, okra red bell peppers, baby corn, and eggplant. The spices we'll be cooking with are cayenne pepper, kosher salt, cinnamon, and black pepper, and just a little olive oil to coat the pan. Now that our pan is nice and hot, I'd like to start with the butternut squash. It's a little denser and it'll take longer to cook than the rest of our ingredients. The next ingredient I'd like to add is the celery and the onion. The sugars from the celery and onion really give it the flavor. Next, the okra. A red bell pepper. baby corn, eggplant, now for our seasoning. I'm just going to add a pinch of the cayenne to really give it the flavor and to make it the southern suffering succotash. <laughs> About a tablespoon of kosher salt. Just a pinch of cinnamon. It'll really bring out the flavor of your butternut squash. black pepper, whenever possible we like to cook with fresh local products. Not only does it help support our local farmers, but it's also better for you. This entire dish 
shouldn't take more than five to 10 minutes. This is a great dish, especially for the holiday season. Turkey's bacon in the oven, you forgot the last item, succotash. Southern suffering succotash. Gluten-free, vegetarian, and vegan. A great addition to any holiday meal. Fun.